0: Mac Power Users, Episode 687, Revisiting Contacts and Calendars. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined today by my favorite nerd, Stephen Hackett. How are you today, Stephen?
1: I'm great, David. How are you?
0: Ah, it's a wonderful time, man. It's wonderful. The weather's like nice here. The rain has slowed down. California is a weird place. We, we like love the rain. You know, like we, uh, we've gone full, um, I don't know, what do you call those guys? Uh, the Druids. We've gone full Druid out here in California. <laughs> it starts starts raining. We want to dance around, but now it's kind of stopped and I think we're okay with that too. Um, but we've had this show on the outline now for uh, like a year and a half, but uh, we do occasionally talk about calendars. This show is going to be primarily about contacts but the contacts field does move slowly. And I think Mac power users should have a strategy about dealing with contacts. We're going to be talking about platforms and apps and tips and um, app. You know, we got the whole thing today. So we, uh, we got a lot to talk about.
1: We do. There's a, there's a little housekeeping first. Uh, and okay. more power users this week, more power users, by the way, if you don't know, is our longer ad-free version of the show. We do it each and every week. And uh, as a member, you also get a bunch of good, uh, cool goodies over at Relay, like a newsletter and some members-only content. We're going to be doing our members-only special here in the next, uh, it'll be out in the next month or so. Um, yeah. Sometime in May. And uh, that, that goes to all members. So If you're a member of Upgrade or Connected or Focused or anything else, uh, you'll get everybody. So uh, it, is, it is member time here at Relay FM. Uh, I also just wanted to to point out, because I've had people ask me, um, and really this came from uh, listeners emailing me, wanting access to things I had done in my two Kickstarters. So I've done two Apple history uh, calendars, and they've come with stickers and wallpapers and much of other stuff. I'm working on the third installment as we speak. Uh, There'll be a third one uh, available later this year. But people have wanted access to that stuff, because one thing I've done is create like a an ICS file uh, speaking of contacts and calendars today, where you can put those dates uh, in your calendar app. So fantastical or Apple calendar or whatever. And uh, previously those have only been available through the Kickstarter or through uh, backer kit right afterwards. And I was like, you know what? These should be available year round. Uh, so I've set up a little web store where you can get those, uh, those calendars. You can get the, uh, wallpapers that I've made of the of the photographs and a couple other things I've made over the years, kind of all in one place. And so that there's a link in the show notes uh, if you want to check that out. If that sounds interesting, I'd appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, sometimes opening a calendar can be like a a dread. Like, right? uh, what's the calendar going to tell me I have to do today? And it's there is a source of joy in your calendar when it tells you it's the anniversary of the iMac or something yeah. fun. So I actually really like that that you made that and. I've got it installed online.
1: Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I work on these, but I don't know. How, David, are you this way when you make something like it's out of your brain? Like you say something on a podcast and two weeks later you don't remember having said it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Especially when you have multiple. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm kind of the same way with the calendar. I'll say like, oh, this is when the Power Mac G4 got the first super drive or whatever. So it's a lot of fun for me too. And uh, go check it out.
0: Probably the most popular calendar inside, uh, you know, Apple Park. It has to be, right?
1: I know for a fact there are uh, quite a few hanging in Apple Park and Infinite Loop around town in Cupertino, which is which is cool. Sometimes I got a I got an email from someone actually just a few weeks ago, I think, maybe about a month ago. And it was a, a picture of the calendar with a date circled. And it was like, I worked on this. And it was some ancient i forget what it was some ancient like quick time thing quick time thing in the 90s right something no one remembers uh that probably wasn't you know that uh, well you know widely used at the time because you know the mac was really small in the 90s be like hey i worked on this and here it is that made me happy you know i want to bring i want to bring happiness to people
0: yes well you know when tim cook does his weekly call to me this week i'll ask him if he has one for his wall and, Yeah. Um, if he uh, if he doesn't, I'm going to tell him to go to ismh.gumroad.com and then he can get one.
1: Yeah, yeah, he can get a digital version. You know, for Tim. Okay, here, okay. No one else listen to this, but Tim, I have a handful of physical ones left. I'm not selling physical ones anymore. You know, I just have a handful left to replace ones that got lost or whatever. But I'll send you one out of the reserve if you're there Tim we go. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right.
0: Contacts. I, uh, I, you know, I, I did want to talk about contacts again. It's been a while since we really kind of gave it serious coverage on the show. You, you were not on the show the last time we talked about contacts. And uh, as the Apple history guy, I know in the outline here you've got some history stuff we need to talk about with contacts and digital contacts.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking back through my own usage. I mean, now I'm on iCloud and I've been you know there for a long time, but before the iPhone, before you know, this is years and years ago, like twenty years ago. I had a, a series of devices, as you do, right? I Had a couple of Palm Pilots. I had a, a Windows Pocket PC for a little while. Dude, just a little side effect. Pocket PC was a legit platform. It was awesome.
0: It was a dumpster fire. I I tried one, and it was terrible.
1: no. We disagree on this. It was great. Uh, even uh, even a Newton for a while, and I just had this flashback to this app called the Missing Sync. It was by a company called MarkSpace. They're still around. I remember that
0: app. Yes. Missing
1: Sync's long gone. But it would run on your Mac. It was kind of like iSync. You know, iSync would sync your contacts and calendars to your iPod or various mobile phones. Uh, But the Missing Sync was that for like Palm OS and uh, Pocket PC and these other things. And I just remember the first couple of times I did that, I was like, oh, I can have all my contacts like with me. Because, you know, when I came up, it was... You sort of had your contacts on your computer and then like you had, you know, your most important contacts that you hand entered on your cell phone, right? Like your old Nokia, it's like beep, 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 putting them in. And when suddenly I could sync them and I could have all of my stuff everywhere, it was incredible. And of course we just expect that now, right? We expect that, oh, David changes his phone number or a friend of mine moves back in town and I update their contact card that it's instantly synced to all of my devices. and. That's how it should work now, but it definitely wasn't always this way. Uh, it's been it's been a road to get here, and and boy, I'm glad we're here.
0: Yeah, no, I me too. I mean, I was a little older than you, so when I first started uh, in business, as they say, I had a uh, a paper calendar, which is kind of interesting. You know, in these days, there's a lot of press back towards analog. You know, people who read books in analog, people who do their task managers in analog. I don't hear anybody talking about going back to contact management analog. No. You know, that that's something where digital really really is better. But I at one point got my hands on it was called the Casio BN10, a business navigator mm. and uh it was uh it was some glorious, you know, 80s era tech and uh that was the, I think the first time I got my contacts digital and it was a game changer for me. I mean, yeah. I had a lot of contacts and uh, being able to access them anywhere and update them—that you know—that's that's a good thing. I've told the story on the show many times over the years. That that's another problem with making a podcast for a long time. But uh, at one point, I had the Palm Pilot, and the the dupe the contacts would duplicate themselves. It was a known bug with the operating system. It was not like a, a weird fluke. It just happened, you know, and. Um, and there was an app that would deduplicate them. I think it was called Dedupe, and it was like 50 bucks. You know, talk about people complaining about app costs. It was like $50 for an app. All it did is look through your contacts and deleted duplicates. But if you didn't buy the app, you were in trouble because it would duplicate on itself every few weeks. It would like cascade. So if you didn't fix it, you'd have like 10 or actually it'd be a factor of two. It'd be like 16 of each of your contacts after a month. Those were the days, baby.
1: Yeah. Deduplication, still a problem. <laughs> we're still dealing with it. But now it's just a feature in a bunch of these apps.
0: Well, back then it was just, that was a thing. And they're like, oh yeah, that's just, it just does that sometimes. And it wasn't like outrage. You know, if, if mm-hmm. Apple Contacts app did that now, that would be a big problem. You know, <laughs> yep. we would not be making a show where we'd be talking about an app that does things like that. But back then, uh, those types of bugs, I think were far more common, Um uh, so anyway, uh, this has been a, a digital problem. People have been trying to solve for a long time. I have to ask though, um, how much of your contact data did you do on the Newton? Cause I know you were a big Newton guy.
1: Yeah. There were a couple of apps that ran on OS 10 back in the day that would sync contacts and calendars with the Newton. It was mostly, uh, because I could, cause I thought I was like a cool retro hipster. And, uh, even in, in those days and even today, honestly, most of my um, contact management happens on the Mac. I mean, even then, I just, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll like whip out and like add someone's phone number to my phone or, you know, uh, if someone sends, I like I love the feature where you can share a contact card via iMessage. Underrated feature in my mind, you know, yeah. and I'll add it on my phone. But when it's time to like clean stuff up or do real management, I've always been a Mac first kind of user.
0: But, but the real you know in addition to like our trip down memory lane the real i think tipping point was when we got the ability to have contacts in multiple locations because before that you know in my parents generation if if you lost your address book you were up a creek i mean there wasn't much you could do unless you had copied everything twice and put it in a separate place mm-hmm. and and i remember that where people would like lose their 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 address book. And then, you know, they'd have to like call around and try and find it. Do you have Jason's number? I I lost, you know, and and that was a thing. And then, so the tipping point getting to my where I was going with this is when you had the idea that you could have it on mobile, but you could also have it on your Mac. And if you lost either one, you were fine. I mean, you'd have to buy something to, to see it again, but the data bits were there. You didn't have to call your friends and ask for Jason's phone number. And um, that that 's nice, but you know again, we expect more than that, and at this point, there are different contact platforms out there available to people we 're going to focus primarily on iCloud today because both of us use iCloud, but there are a lot of listeners that are not using iCloud I mean for various reasons like i when I used to work at the law firm i we worked on exchange, you know, mm-hmm. and that was before Microsoft three sixty five but it was basically their version. And so I had some in iCloud and some in exchange, and one of the questions you need to ask yourself as you're getting serious about this is what platform am I going to choose?
1: It's sometimes forced on you, right? Now now, thankfully, Apple's own OSs and a bunch of third-party apps, you can you can have multiple platforms in play at once. So you can have your iCloud for your personal and maybe your work exchange. And you know those contacts are there as well, and you can view them separately or view them together. You can do different things depending on the apps that you're using. But we do have a lot of options. You know, For me, I have most of this kind of data in iCloud. It, for many, many years, has been really solid for me. I know it's not always solid for everybody, but I haven't had any real scary moments with it. And so I, I've used iCloud for years and years, and it's been fine.
0: Yeah, every time contacts comes up on the show... I hear from one listener who has had a horror story where contacts, you know, eight or not contacts the app but the the iCloud platform chewed up their contacts and altered data or lost it or whatever. But when we talk about the alternative platforms, I get emails about that too, you know, about the time Google lost their data or Microsoft Exchange chewed up their data. I think this is this happens occasionally. Uh, like you, it's I've been fortunate. It's never happened to me. But the apps we're recommending today, uh, we've we got several we're going to talk about. All of them recognize multiple sync platforms, and they all have a backup function. And, you know, I have a, a checklist, you know, that, you know, as you do. It's a set on a timer. And about every six months, I get a thing that says, back up your contacts. And I hit the button and mm-hmm. back them up, and I feel pretty good about it. And yeah. Uh, so I've got them in iCloud. I've got them in a backup. You know, I just think I'm fine, and I wouldn't be hesitant to use any of the platforms we're talking about today. Uh, Google probably is the most frequently used um, backbone of contacts from the people in our circles, and we're you know deal with a lot of tech-friendly people. But I think probably the biggest one might be Microsoft 365 because it is so embedded in you know corporate america and businesses
1: mm-hmm. oh 100% i mean when i even when i was like doing apple consulting we ran then it was an exchange server you know it's kind of the, kind of the same thing under the hood but yeah, yeah it's it's everywhere and and like i said thankfully apple's devices lets you have multiple accounts set up uh, but even if you want to go off the beaten path though so something like carddav which is a it's similar to CalDAV, which is basically a a server protocol for syncing calendars and contacts. So CalDAV, CardDAV, uh, iOS and macOS support that as well. That's a bit on the newer side. And some providers like FastMail, which I know we have a lot of listeners using, uh, they use CardDAV to, to sync that. So you have a lot of options now, even if you're not using one of the mainstream players.
0: Yeah, Can I go down a little rabbit hole for a second? Please microsoft three sixty five is really impressing me lately, and I'm not using it anymore. I canceled my subscription, but for about an hour last week, I thought about putting my whole team on it because I just they just continue to do this cool stuff they're embracing the AI tools I want to kind of play with that. they've got a new app called loop. Have you seen this? yeah it's kind it, of like
1: it's kind of like notion, but also it's yeah. kind of like uh It's also kind of like open doc. Like the idea is you have little parts of documents inside each other.
0: Yeah. And like, um, my wife is working in it a lot and, uh, like she has set up her database in OneNote that she shares with her team. And, you know, it's, it's actually really, it's not like the old days where the Mac was a second class citizen with Microsoft stuff. Uh, at this point, I feel like their are kind of Windows and, and Mac platforms are on a a, a pretty even playing field. And, and I I don't have a lot of experience with it. And you know, it was one of those things you're like, oh, that would be kind of fun to do that. Then I realized, oh, why would I do that? That's dumb. I mm-hmm. everything's working. The whole team understands craft. Why would I why would I move it around? But the um, but that's just kind of one of my failings, right? I always I looking for the new thing but i you know 5 years ago i never would have said i thought about using windows or not windows a uh, microsoft uh, platform for this stuff but anyway this is a little side uh, if you're out there and you're thinking about this stuff microsoft is is making some pretty good products these days they are anyway um so you got you know microsoft google apple uh, and then the the card dev gives anybody that's capable of putting together a good sync engine and Fastmail honestly is a great option. I am so happy with my move to Fastmail for the business. I, uh, I my only regret is not doing it sooner. Mm-hmm. I've now been in it about a couple of years, and I've built a ton of online rules. Um, and it's uh, it's just been really great great experience for me. And why not put your your uh, your contact database up there too?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that go into that decision making. I mean, when we get to calendars a little bit later on, I keep personal calendars and then like my public-facing work calendars separate. But I don't do that with contacts, right? I All my work and personal contacts, are all mixed in in my iCloud. And and that's that's fine for me as a small business owner. Like I can make those decisions on my own. But a lot of times when you're looking at where do you want your contacts to be, uh, you do have some limitations on that. I think a big one is uh, some of the features on the the server side. So one of my one of my favorite things about Google Contacts is uh, if you go to those contacts, it has the ones that you know you've synced to that account, but it also keeps a list of suggested contacts of people it has noticed in your inbox, and it will put cards together for them, and you can then say, oh, I want to add this person you know, as a contact or I want to keep them in suggested contacts. Apple Mail does a little bit of this with its previous recipients function, where if I've sent a message to an email address or I've gotten it from an email address, it will remember that. But if that's a feature that is enticing to you, well, and you're already in the Google ecosystem, well, that's uh, that could be uh, a pull in that direction. Uh, I think the other thing is, do you need access to them online? Almost all of these have that. But iClouds, I would argue, is probably the weakest, especially out of Microsoft 365 and Google. And Definitely. if you do a lot of online stuff with, with your contacts and calendars and mail, do you really want to be stuck using iCloud.com all the time? I, I personally don't. I want something that's more powerful. So these are all things that kind of go into that decision matrix for me.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, some of the big factors is are you working alone or with others? And if you're working with others, you've got to find something that that handles syncing and sharing, which uh, iCloud isn't particularly good at. It's not really what it was designed for. I think Google and Microsoft have better solutions for that Mm -hmm. kind of the nature of the beast. Um, The, another kind of angle of that matrix is, are you on multiple platforms or a single platform? You know, like you and I are you know, we're in the Apple ecosystem and, I make decisions based on that. But if I had to work in Windows during the day and Apple at night, I don't think that I would want to use iCloud for my contacts because, you know, I'm going to have problems when I'm over in Windows. And I know that Apple has, you know, done some work with iCloud sync on Windows. But but it's limited. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably a pretty small team, you know, whereas... Do you think they're in Apple
1: Park or do you think they're in some sort of faceless office building somewhere else in Cupertino?
0: I think they're in uh, behind... If you go to Cupertino, there's a Joe's Crab Shack. And I think if you go behind the bathroom of Joe's Crab Shack, (laughs) there's a closet. And that's where the people work on the iCloud sync for for Windows. For Windows. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So like with contacts and calendar information, iCloud will only sync it with Outlook. So if you want to use Outlook, that's awesome. But if you don't want to use Outlook, you want to use something else, uh, you're you're kind of stuck.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, platform choice matters. Automation matters, too. I think contacts is something that's ripe for automation. If you listen to the stuff I do, you know I'm a big fan of trying to get the computer to do the work for me. But there are uh, very different kinds of automations based on contacts. Like Stephen was talking about earlier, the Google feature where it grabs contacts, it reads your mail. I mean, let's just acknowledge that. Read, read your mail, said, oh yeah, here's somebody that may want to be in your contact. And we've got a whole back back-end system on the cloud that figures that out for you and offers them up to your contact cards. That's a, that's an automation and uh, apps like, you know, Google contacts are going to be better at that than iCloud, but um, one of the big draws for me to iCloud Sync is that I am a fan of local automation, where I write a shortcut or a keyboard master script or something like that, and I want to use um, local based automation, where it's just syncing my data without putting it on the cloud, but then give me automation tools. And iCloud is actually really good at that because the Contacts app has a lot of hooks into uh, shortcuts. So it just depends... Not only do you want to automate, but what kind of automation do you want to do? And you just got to kind of think through, do you want to spend money? I mean, that's another thing. If you're if you're getting into a 365 installation for a team, uh, you're going to spend uh, some significant money, more than you probably would for the other platforms, um, but then you get those benefits. So you, you've got to kind of think through all this stuff. For me, I can tell you that historically, I've always done my personal stuff in iCloud because I like the Apple platforms. And we're going to talk later about the cool stuff we're doing with the Contacts app. So you might as well use this Apple's Backbone, too. It's been stable for me. But I was on exchange for work. And when I left the firm and made my own little law practice during that seven or eight years, uh, I had them in iCloud. I, what I did was I used groups. You know, and we're going to talk about that later, too. So, you know, you can kind of evolve your view of it. But you do have to pick a platform. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can get started automating today. A lot of people ask me how to get started with automation, and I feel like Text Expander is probably the best way to do that because it allows you to automate text. Everybody writes text. We all find ourselves writing repeated text all the time, which is real drudgery, and that's where automation can help. Text Expander is an automation tool. With Text Expander, you can develop snippets that fill in things like your address and your phone number, but if you want to take it further, you can really go a long way with Text Expander because it really does support automation. For instance, with Text Expander, you can have it automatically put in the today's date and time, or you can have it automatically include the contents of a clipboard. That one's a real good one for me. I've used that a lot over the years. I've got some bit of information I want to include form text well i just put that information in like an apple note i copy it and then i trigger a text expander snippet and it dumps the clipboard right into the text for me it is super useful and super accurate and you know that's what automation is supposed to do right make things faster and more accurate text expander does that for you if you want to go deeper and do apple script or use rich text whatever you want to do with text text expander can do it for you and best of all, text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad, so it follows you around in whatever platform you're in and show listeners get 20% off their first year. Just go to TextExpander.com and start automating your text today. You'll be shocked at how much time you save. In fact, they let you know the application tracks your typing speed and how much time you save, and I literally save days every year uh, just using text Expander to write text for me. I love this application. It is a great on-ramp towards automation. That URL one last time, texexpander.com slash MPU. Go there, get 20% off your first year, and show your support for the show. Thanks again, TexExpander, for all of your support of the Mac Power users.
1: So let's pick up and talk a little bit about uh, Apple's Contacts app, because it's been around for a long time. And it's, it's pretty basic. It definitely hasn't gotten the love that Reminders or Notes or some of these other programs have gotten.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about the kind of renaissance of Apple productivity apps, and I, we have never mentioned contacts in those discussions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's not great. You know, I mean, it does the job. It gives you a contact. Um, it's, uh, it integrates well with the operating system. I think that's something that it doesn't get credit for. You know, when you go to to fill in a contact name, whether it's in a a search or in an Apple mail field or whatever, all the data is there, it finds it and it gives it to you. We're going to talk about some power tips later, but like one of the cool things I love is the way I can click on a contact in a mail and add them as a contact card, Mm -hmm. which should be really table stakes or anything like this, but they do it well. And, um, and over the years it, it's gotten enough polish with that feature that it's, it's quite useful, but it's also a very inefficient app that I think that's the thing about it that kills me the most is like, if Steven tells, wants me to, tells me he gets a new phone number, the amount of clicks and taps I have to do to get it in there is just maddening.
1: Yeah. Th- that's something we've complained about in reminders too, but it is really bad in contacts. There's there's really no there's no way around it you're just doing a lot of modal stuff and you go into this edit mode and you come back out of it and it's kind of easy to get lost in what you're doing i wish all of that could be could be simplified uh, in contacts um and i should well, say this is mostly about contacts on the mac on the iphone though it's not too dissimilar it's basically the same as it's always been it's a lot of tapping. There's no real natural language stuff. Again, it gets the job done. And what's what what I should say about it in its defense, maybe, or in the defense of the OS at least, is if you're using a third party contacts app, which we're going to talk about in a little while, because they're all syncing, you can still get the benefit of like the built in integration with mail or with Safari or these other things, you know, to add to contacts, those sorts of things. But so you can get different ways into it. But I think a lot of people just use the default. Uh, I, I certainly do. Um, I've got a bunch of Contacts apps on my Mac now because of this episode. Um, yeah. But I've been a Contacts app user for a long time. I and mean, way back, you know, it had stitched leather for a while. It was brushed metal before that. Contacts has had a weird life.
0: Yeah, the user interface is like a whole other discussion. But before we get to that, just like, for example, I've got your contact card open right now. And I hit the edit button. Um, if I want to go through, say you you send me a, a note that you want to change your email and your phone number. I mean, most apps these days would let you hit a tab key to move between fields while you're doing editing, or arrow keys or something. It just doesn't. You've got to go and click the mouse, and then you've got to, sometimes you've got to take the mouse and select the data. You can't just like select it all. it's just I just feel like it's um. It's, it's in molasses, the whole thing. Trying to get things done quickly are are not great. And the thing that bothers me the most is because I use a lot of groups, as I would, right, mm-hmm. um, the uh, you can't put them in a group with a keyboard. You have to finish the contact, and you have to go. Sometimes, like if you add the contact from a mail message, which is the most frequent way I'll add a contact. I get an email from somebody, I'm like, oh, I should I should be able to, you know, reach out to this person, click the button, add to contacts rate. There's no way there to pick which group they're in. So then I have to go to the app. Then I have to go to the all button. Then I have to search for the person. Then I have to find them then grab them with the mouse, drag them to the group I want them in, hope that I land on the right group, you know, because sometimes when you're mousing, you hit the wrong group. And it's just the whole thing just feels to me like molasses. And that could be so much better.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It, it is slow and error prone. Uh I I do think there are a couple of good things about it. Uh yeah. I am a, a pretty big fan of its ability, and other apps have this too, to have uh customizable fields. So you can yeah. go you can go into its uh settings and you can say, okay, when I create a new contact, these are the fields I want available. Like maybe I don't care about uh, you know, someone's uh, Twitter link. Well, I can I can uncheck that. But if I really want job title to always be there or department to always be there, you can add that to the template. Again, other apps have copied this. But I do think it's a pretty uh, useful thing because there's some data that some people really care about and there's other data that people just don't. And you can customize it to, to what you want.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I actually, getting back to the UI question, I like the new UI. It's very simple, and I think that's perfect for a Contacts app. And uh, the Stitch Leather was cool, and you know the way it's reflected the user interface of the Mac over the years is nice. But the current iteration of it, I don't find offensive at all. And I, I don't want my Contacts app to be sexy. I just want it to be fast and efficient. And it's the fast and efficient part that I, that I sometimes bump my head against. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit. So but both of us are using the Contacts app as our primary Contacts um, contacts Manager, correct? Uh, yep, I am. Yeah, me too. So so let's talk about that. What What are you doing in the app?
1: Mostly just adding things. I have 830 Contacts. Uh, I, I was scrolling through them as we were preparing. There's people in here I don't even remember. Like everyone I've ever worked with at any job I've ever had still in here things just don't come out of yeah of my contacts um i mean i will go in there and do editing you know when i need to but it's pretty static i, I feel like I, I don't ever go in and obviously clean things up and i just kind of kind of let add things to the pile you know
0: yeah well I, I had two lives so you know i win i have 1773 oh. That's the number of contacts i have you know and and it's just, you know, I practiced law for 30 years. Yeah. And and I have all those contacts in there. And then I use a lot of groups. And that was, for me, I think anybody listening to this, if you're not using groups with contacts, this is an opportunity to bring order from chaos. And uh, this is something that can really be helpful. Now, on the Mac in particular, You've got the standard groups and you've got smart groups. I mean that you know the whole smart group system that Apple has on the mac it's a big gripe of mine that that stuff hasn't all just found its way or oh, they call it a smart list i'm sorry in in context it's a It's a gripe to me that that stuff just hasn't found its way over to the mobile devices i don't know there must be a technical problem, but if I make a smart group on the um in context on my Mac, I should be able to see it you know elsewhere,
1: yeah. Or create one on the go, right? <laughs> yeah, or even just have one.
0: Right, exactly. So their, their solution for several years now has been, well, we're making some for you. But that's not what I wanted. I wanted to be able to make my own. And um, but, but kind of getting back to the thread, I really think the groups can be really helpful when you get a big contact database. Like, because I practice law, I have one called attorneys. And in that one, I've got a bunch of people listed. Uh, there's 216 attorneys in here. And I need to probably go and start cleaning that up. you know, I collected it over the years, and I'm not doing that business anymore, and a few of these people will stick around, but they don't necessarily need to be in my database anymore. Now, are they doing any damage being in my database? Probably not, you know um you know i if I've got you know Joe Blow in here who I had a case with ten years ago, I suspect he'll never call me again. But if he did, his name would show up. If I take him out of the database, he doesn't. So, mm-hmm. so I, I have this thought that I'm going to clean it out, but I never really quite do that. Uh, the way I access them on the Mac is I just search it. And interestingly, you can search by group, which is kind of nice if you get a big database. Yeah. Uh, but, but I am very liberal with these groups. So I, I sent you a screenshot. So like some of the areas, like for the personal stuff, I have per, uh, friends, family, and personal business. Now, a lot of people would make that all one group, personal, right? Mm-hmm. But like when I want to look up the guy who fixed my water heater, um, I have all those vendors that do stuff for me like that in do personal business. And that allows me to go in through there and kind of scroll through and find it or just search that group if I want. And because of the number of contacts I have, it makes the search results really good. Um, and, you know, and I do friends and family separate, you know, and it's just just weird, right? but I also have one called uh, family Christmas cards and that one is a smart list. And all that is, it's a, it's a smart list that I made. And if the word holiday card, there's two of them, there's one that says holiday card and holiday e-card. And if one of those two words appears, then they show up in that smart list and I'm using uh, strategically using the notes field. Um, so I'm able to like really slice and dice through this data really quickly Um, I've got, um, a group of day one journals that are contacts because one of the nice things with day one is you can send an email to a specific address and it shows up in a day one journal. So I've just got a group of those. And like one of them is max Sparky love. And for those of you who, who write me really nice notes, I'm telling you, those are going into my day one. And someday when I'm old and drooling in myself, that will be the only day one journal I read. So thank you for sending those to mm-hmm. me. You'll keep me going. <laughs> but anyway, so I do that through a group. And so I, I've been really, over the years, very careful. Like I have one called clients, which obviously I don't have any clients anymore, but I've still got the list. Um, because I do some screencasting and stuff, I have a couple that have entirely fictional people in it that I can use when I do a screencast. And right. so, I've, you know, and over the years, I've just, kind of grown it organically as I need it. Another one is referrals. It's a bunch of attorneys who I trust enough to send people to. And so if people write me and say, I need an estate planning attorney. I have some people in there that I think I can send them to, but I've got them grouped together. And each one of those people in all of these fields was manually dragged with my mouse from a <laughs> list to that thing. And that's I think why a lot of people don't do it. I think the barrier is there that stops them from from using the groups. But I, I would recommend if you're using Apple contacts and you've got a, a database of more than a hundred people, you should really consider uh, putting those groups together because you find all sorts of uses for them. And um, I could go on about this. Well, let me say one more thing. Okay. Uh, Apple allows you to use the groups contextually in other applications. Like um, I have some people that are early beta testers for some field guides. I've got a group of those. Well, when I want to send them that early access, I write an email to field guide beta testers and everybody on that list gets the email and I don't have to go in and type each one individually. So there's a lot of really cool features like that, that once you have the groups, you can use them elsewhere. That's why I'm so you know annoyed that they don't let me use those groups in focus modes because I feel like this would be another great use of those groups.
1: Yeah, it, it is definitely frustrating that they haven't extended this out to the other parts of, of the system. Um, but I do agree with you. Groups are are hugely useful. I don't have as many as you, but I do have several. Uh, I chuckled at your day one journals. I have one called Robots. And so it's like the the email address to send to Feedbin or to send to Kindle, right? Uh, various to-do apps have like you can forward an email to it. And it goes in the inbox. And I keep all those there, right? It's, they're all in one place and it's easy to find them and, 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 you know, oh, what is that email address? Go look it up. Uh, so the groups are huge. Uh, I do want to touch on something you said because I think it's, out of everything I could say about contacts, it's like the the my soapbox is use the notes field because ultimately you're going to forget, you know, the name of the guy who fixed your hot water heater or you're going to need to talk to somebody you haven't talked to in a while and you're going to need to remember some detail about your, you know, previous relationship or whatever it is. And I use contact notes for that all the time. I have a text expander snippet that puts the date in and then I put a little colon and I just write a sentence or two, whatever it is. Um, And it's, it saved my bacon a couple of times. So the example I like to use is the guy who put our gate in across our driveway. Uh, He's in there. Right. And I could have put him, you know, like his first name is also Steven. So it's confusing, but you know, Steven gate guy. And then his last name. Well, I have, gate guy in in the note because I know, you know, I'm going to search gate in my contacts and I need him in two years when it needs a repair or something. But then I also have in there like, okay, this is the date that it went in and he was out here, you know, this date and he came back this date for maintenance. And when I communicate with him in the future, that means I don't have to go look in Apple notes or something else. You know, you could put that a bunch of different places. For me, it clicks for someone I really only interact with transactionally Just put that on their contact card. And it is fantastic because that that does sync everywhere. And you can search for it. And you can build smart groups off of that. Uh, I've got a um, consulting client of mine who she's a big note taker in her contact. She's actually the one who kind of opened my eyes to this. And dating way back to like the Palm days, she was using this. And she uses it to build her her holiday gift list. So she has like a tag or, you know, in the notes field, it's not really tagging and contacts, but, you know, in-town holiday, out-of-town holiday. And she can go in and just make those adjustments to people's contact cards throughout the year. And then when it's time to print her holiday card, she just prints from the smart list. And it's, it's really powerful. And you can you can fit it in however you want to, but I really think it's underutilized by most people.
0: I've got a note here. I was just looking at, uh, first of all, I agree 100%. It's it's really what I call a poor man's CRM, right? Mm -hmm. You can put any kind of data you want in there. And I was just looking in my attorney field. There's a guy that I had a thing I did with for a client years ago. And in the notes field, it says the case that we worked on together and the name of his client, the name of my client. So I could search the client name and find him. But it also says here, daughter, colon, Alicia game of thrones freak <laughs> so you know it's like and i don't i don't even really remember how that came up but somehow he started talking to me about game of thrones and i thought well you know if i need to talk to him again i can ask him how alicia's doing or you know what he thought about game of thrones so it's just like you can use so much of that note so now what steven was talking about was more of like a um kind of an activity list you know where you you yeah. date stamp things but you can also put biographical notes about them and i get that there are much better apps at stuff like this. In fact, one of the alternative apps for contacts is Daylight, which is a to run your whole business on a mm-hmm. CRM system. And they're way better at that. And there's great online tools for that. That's not really what this show's about today. But um, but for you know, your personal stuff, I think this is the way to go. For a while, when I was still in my um honeymoon phase with obsidian, I moved some of this. I didn't move it, but I I duplicated it over an obsidian because an obsidian you get obsessed with links the more you use it. You're like, okay, if I you know, did with Stephen Hackett, you know, then I want to have all that information in Obsidian. And ultimately, I didn't stick with it because I I just don't want Obsidian to be that noisy. And um, I would prefer to put that stuff in contacts database. The sync is awesome. It's on all your devices. You can go into Spotlight, type in a name, and get notes on a person very quickly. It sounds a little creepy, right, that you're writing down the name of his daughter and... He likes Game of Thrones, but it it allows you to have a jumpstart with that person the next time you're on the phone with them.
1: There's a scene in The Office where Michael Scott, uh, his contact cards are taken by somebody else. Okay. <laughs> like, they're reading the back of it and they make no sense. Like his notes to himself about, you know, people's kids or where they went to school or something. And I feel like if someone came across mine or yours, maybe they'd have similar vibes of like, I don't know what this person's talking about.
0: Yeah. But, but, yeah. <laughs>
1: but that's fine. I, I will say, uh like if you go to share a contact, you know, maybe take the notes field out, you know. Yeah. Copy that's that the problem. Send the that contact and then paste it back in back in.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You like because like, the referrals is a good example. When I refer people to an attorney, I will write down that I referred Stephen Hackett on, you know, April seventh or whatever. And the um and if someone asks me in the future for a referral to that person, I'm very careful not to share the card because I don't want them to see a list of people I've referred to that person. I'll right. just give them the phone number, or write an introductory email. But like, even for you, I've got like your preferred PayPal address here, you know, because I know at some point I must have sent you money, and I wrote it down. It was probably for the that payoff that time you had that information about me, mm. you know. But the um, Sorry. oh, we're not recording, right? Uh. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, it's something, right? But I've just got weird bits of information attached to a lot of these cards. Not all of them, but but a lot of them. And uh, I think this is a great use. Getting back to the idea of a tagging system, you said it's not a real tagging system, but it could be. Um, all you have to do is use. Uh, I use a, a pound symbol, right, for common ones like referrals. Like pound referral is anybody that I might refer business to, and then I can just type pound referral estate planning, you know, and then that'll get me that list of people the, now you can also have them in a referrals list, but then you can use a smart list that just searches for pound referrals and puts it together automatically for you. So it gives you a couple different ways to skin the cat. But I, I think um, that notes field is something a lot of people don't use as well as they could. And if you don't have a CRM system, well, guess what you do, you know, it's right there. Just start using it.
1: Mm hmm. A couple of other, I think, useful things when dealing with contacts that that really uh, span a bunch of different applications. Uh, The duplicate detection is a big deal, right? It's kind of it can be inevitable that either you have a sync issue or you know you thought you had somebody's didn't have someone's contact, so your spouse sends you their card, and then you have two of them. Uh, So, uh, contacts on the Mac has duplicate detection built in. A lot of third party apps do as well. Uh, contacts does it in a visual way where it shows you the two cards it kind of gives you some options about what you want to do which I like I don't want it to blindly merge things I would like to know what it's going to do and kind of lead it by the hand and I I ran it on mine and I only had one out of however many what did I say 800 something contacts 700 something contacts Um, but you know sometimes you're in a situation where you have a lot going on in there and it can be a nice way to clean things up because contacts ties into mail and messages and all these other things, you know, you end up with duplicates kind of exposing themselves in weird ways, right? It's like, Oh, yeah. this text came from David sparks or Dave sparks. Like, okay, well that's one dude. I can put them together and my notifications are cleaner. Right. So the, I, I'm pretty allergic to having duplicates in my contacts.
0: Yeah. And that's like uh, you, you like immediately swat it down when you see it. Exactly. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's a nice feature. And that was well done, right? Um, we've already talked about how you can capture it from email. Um, uh, I'm not super excited about the editing, but the the number of available fields is impressive, right? I mean, if you want to add different fields or change them, they they've done a good job of kind of evolving the format over the years.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's things in here that weren't around <laughs> when ad, well, it used to be yeah. called address book when address book was invented, right? Like, yeah, there wasn't a Twitter field in Mac OS X Tiger. Um, the labels have also changed, right? So, iPhone can be a label now for someone's phone number instead of just mobile or home or work. You can have uh, FaceTime in there. You can do home and work email addresses. So they they have done a good job, I think, of keeping up with the times and, and allowing contact records to better reflect how we get in touch with people.
0: We've covered the smart list, but I think the real trick to making smart lists working for you is my kind of hybrid tagging system. I mean, that's, that's the best way to do it. Right. But you can also have smart lists refer re uh, relate to other lists. So you can really combine them and slice and dice them. But again, all this stuff is on the Mac and, that makes me a little sad.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. M- my last sort of advice or tip or trick to share is don't be afraid to create temporary contacts. So I fudged a little bit earlier when I said I don't ever delete things. Um, I will create contacts. For instance, WDC 23 Hotel, right? So the hotel I'm staying at in June, I will make a contact. And I have their phone number. And the address, I usually put my reservation number in the notes field. And, you know, I could favorite that in Maps, but that's like an extra step if I just need to call the front desk and tell them that I'm going to be checking in late and not to give my room away, right? And then at the end of the trip, I just go in there and if it's a place I may stay again, I'll keep it. But usually it's not, And you know, if it's a one-off trip, and I'll just uh, kind of have it as a, as a temporary thing. I think that can be especially useful when you combine them with lists. So if you're going on a trip and you you need, you know, several contacts of different places, create a list for your trip. And it's just all right there together. And then you can, you can unwind it all when you get home.
0: Yeah. That is like a killer tip if you've never done it before, but anytime you go out of town, create a list and the lists are free, right? Even though like I've got a group of friends, um, you can still make even, th- Further subgroups on that if you want. It doesn't matter, right? So so go crazy with the list. There's no cost to it. But the nice thing about a trip-based list is that you can, at the end, just delete it if you want. And while you're on the trip, you can just go and have that as your active contact list. I mean, it does remember, if you're in a group on your phone, it remembers what group you're in. So then every time you open contacts, it's on that trips list. So you just see the five or six places or, or uh, contacts that you particularly need. And you're right there.
1: Could you talk a little bit about mail merge? I feel like this is a feature that I've never really used. And so it's hard hard for me to explain it, but could you walk through this?
0: Well, I mean, it's really a pages feature more than it's a contacts feature, but it allows you to write a pages document and access data out of, out of your contacts groups. And it's got a kind of a history. It was there, but then I don't know if you recall about five ish years ago, uh, Apple unified the code base for pages and numbers and and um keynote. So it lost fe- they they all lost features, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it allowed them to develop the app across uh, mobile and Mac platforms at the same time. Well, it went away and that made a lot of people sad, you yeah. know, because
1: also, dude, that was that was ten years ago. <laughs> it was, was in twenty thirteen. oh man that's not good yeah
0: yeah well you know time time goes fast when you're having fun and i'm having a lot of fun but either way the um uh, so a lot of people got cranky about that but it came back and now it's in again and so you can use contacts as a source for mail merge in pages Uh, that's all i really wanted to say is that it's back if you didn't know and if you want to use it for your christmas cards or what have you there you go Uh, another christmas card Tri- uh trick I would recommend is make a special field called Christmas card address. And um, what I mean by that is the first line of the address. You know, a lot of times if you use contacts as a, a source for printing out Christmas card labels, it'll say, you know, send the card to David sparks instead of the sparks family. Right? right. And it's weird to get it. So you can make a custom field for the addressee and make it like the family name or whatever. Um, I don't do a lot with that. My wife really enjoys writing out the cards and the addresses, but we do, what I do is we print the, uh, the list out from contacts, which is all gathered together by a, by a note, you know, by note field tags in essence. And then she can go through and she handwrites writes them out. But, you know, if you want to do it with labels, you can, but I would recommend adding a custom field so it doesn't look so impersonal.
1: This episode of MPU is made possible by our friends over at 1Password, a password manager that means you can keep all of your logins, account information, and secure notes safe and sound on all your devices. 1Password syncs across everything in my life, my laptop, my phone, my tablet, my PC, and I know that wherever I am, I can quickly get to that information because, of course, 1Password works in any browser that I want to use. and. On my devices with Face ID and Touch ID, it works there as well. And if you use 1Password at work, good news. uh, The preview that 1Password has been running with Okta is now available to all 1Password business customers. If you're in an environment where Okta is your single sign-on provider, you can now unlock 1Password with Okta instead of your account password. And they have support for other single sign-on providers coming soon. This is one thing I really love about one password they put features in to work with as many people as possible so you've got this but you also have one password for families which means my wife and I can share logins to our shared bank account and our utility bill and our mortgage company all the stuff we need together for the family to run smoothly is also in one password right next to my work vault with all my stuff for relay FM so head on over to onepassword.com slash mpu to learn more and to sign up for a free 30-day trial. And when you do sign up, you'll get 20% off. Once again, that URL, onepassword.com slash M-P-U. Okay, there are other
0: apps, though, to manage your contacts. One of the most popular is CardHop um, from Flexibits. Uh, we had Michael Simmons on the show earlier this year. I mean, Flexibits is really known for Fantastic Fantastical. That's their kind of flagship app. But they took all of that natural language tech and they applied it to a contacts app several years ago. I'm not going to say how many, because I'm <laughs> sure I will get it wrong. <laughs> but um, all the things we were complaining about how hard it is to edit and add contacts with the contacts app are fixed with FlexiBits card hop. Yeah. That's the short version. Yeah.
1: The natural language stuff is really cool. And it's not just for creating contacts. So you can uh, start typing the word email. So if I type email and then DAV it says, Oh, do you want to email David Sparks or David Smith or, you know, any other Davids I have in my contact list. So you can use it almost like a launcher out of your contacts database. Like there's not really anything like this. It, I guess it's kind of like drafts or like text goes in one place and you send it elsewhere, but it's, it's also kind
0: of like Alfred, you know, kind of like, like Alfred. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's really pretty awesome. Uh, The other thing you can do is if you start typing and so so I I start typing David and then I start the last name with L and say, I don't have David L, anybody in my contacts. It will assume correctly that I'm actually wanting wanting to create a new contact and then kind of give me that UI. It's super fast, super well done. And once you kind of learn its language, it really makes contacts feel clunky.
0: Yeah, and the actually had some involvement. I did the videos for them when they first released it, and I told them there was one feature I wanted, and it made it in. If I type Stephen Hackett, and then I type the pound sign, you know, once it finds your contact card, then it gives me a list of all of my groups, and I can just mouse over or arrow key over, or just type the name of the group I want to put it in, and it automatically puts you in the group. Oh, so the, that's cool. the problem I was talking about with all the dragging and everything goes away with it. Um, they have a timestamp. I mean this is really an improvement over Apple contacts in almost every way. Yeah. <laughs> like they have a they have a timestamp feature in the notes field so you don't need to run a text expander snippet. You just click the button and it adds a timestamp if you want to keep notes on it um and it all looks at the same database as your contacts app so you can use it at the same time um i use this app tactically i probably should use it more than i do um but you know when i need to like do something to a contact i will do it in cardhop um i don't dig into the cardhop or contacts database that often as i'm working uh, that data shows up in other places either through alfred or, you know, the mail app or whatever, but I use the, the these apps to make sure the data is good, but actually execute and use the, the data elsewhere.
1: Mm-hmm. Cardhop is also available on iOS and iPadOS, and yeah. really it's very similar across them. Like once you kind of learn what it can do with the natural language, you can, uh, you can do it everywhere. I feel like we're trending Mac specific on this episode, but it is available yeah. elsewhere
0: yeah and it, it is um and and you can act on data there just like you can on the contacts app like you'll know on the contacts app when you select an email field a little you know envelope shows up next to it you click on that it opens an email this does that as well but it allows you to execute via keyboard as well as mouse and you can even like custom choose what the actions are you want you know because there's a bunch of them you can choose from whether you want it to be invites or calls or whatever, and uh, but you know it's a uh, it's a nice improvement. It's just what you kind of expect from Flexibits, you know them looking at the the problems with the existing stuff and and tying into it and trying to give you a better user experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really what they're best at.
0: Another thing I really like about this app is the birthday warnings and Contacts does this to extent an extent. As well, But I think Cardhap does a better job of like the day before birthdays, it always gives me a notification and I can make sure to, you know, make a note to send somebody a birthday greeting or whatever. And I know that's silly. I could also do that with shortcuts. But uh, when the app does it for me and I don't have to write automation for it, that's always kind of ideal.
1: Oh, yeah. It has a whole celebrations function. And so I can go in here and see birthdays. If I have people's anniversaries, I think that pops in there as well. So I can scroll through like the whole next month and say, like, oh, this person, yeah. this person, and this person have you know birthdays coming up. And you can also do that in calendar. So one of the times between connects and calendar is that you can have a birthdays calendar. It pulls all that information over. But um, I, I like the way CardHop does it just because it can send you the notification and because you can just scroll through really easily. And it's like, oh, when is my sister-in-law's birthday? Oh, it's in July. You know, it's fantastic.
0: It really comes down to, honestly, if you want fantastic Al in your life, <laughs> you know, because it's part of a Flexibit subscription, and a lot of people don't want to pay for a calendar in a contacts app, and I get that. And yeah. if you are doing fine with what you have, then you shouldn't pay. Um, uh, we talked about Fantastical at length earlier, and my big takeaway is for the type of calendaring I'm doing, the extra tools are totally worth the money spent, you know. I mean, uh, I know we've we've had some of the listeners write in and complain about well you know they raise the price and it's quite expensive but there's a lot of dumb stuff I spend money on right mm-hmm. and um, uh, this isn't one of them because the additional features are so useful like and I don't want to get into the the calendar features but they they've got like server side stuff they're doing now that that it makes a more powerful calendaring system and since I'm already on board for that then I've got this as well. That said, I don't use CardHop 100% of the time. I just I just don't. you know. And I, I think it's probably a, a function of habit because I've used contacts for so long. But if I do anything serious, I'll probably do it in CardHop. If anything, anything group-related, like a good example is when I click the contextual button in Mail to add a person to contacts, I don't go through the exercise of opening the contacts app and dragging them over anymore. I just open CardHop. And I access the person through the Card DAV database. Type their name. I hit the pound sign. I put them in the in the place where they belong. And, yeah, yeah, that's nice.
1: Well, it's your feature? You have to use it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know, really.
1: <laughs> An alternative is Busy Contacts. Uh, this is a fifty dollar one time app, but it's also on Set App. So if you're Set App subscriber, you you get access to Busy Contacts, and it is more more of a traditional contacts manager than I think card hop is. Yeah. Uh, It, you know, it syncs with all the, the regular, you know, iCloud, Google exchange, et cetera, et cetera. But I think my favorite thing about busy contacts and playing with it in preparation, this episode is the, the different views you can get into your contacts. And so by default, it uses a very similar um, layout. To contacts, right? You kind of have your groups and then you have your contacts and you have the, de- the details. But it also has a view that puts them at the top, like how uh, Apple Mail can and, and used to do by default where your message you at the top and the details are below. And that means you get columns. And so I could turn on a column for company and I could sort by that and say, okay, here's everyone in my contacts database that works at, you know, St. Jude. And they're all grouped together because I've sorted by the company. And something about this layout really clicks for me. Again, not something that I would use every day, right? But if you compare it to contacts, well, contacts have to be searching, right? And then like, then do I make a smart group? Or like, what do I do? Sometimes I don't need something that's that sort of structural, right? Sometimes I just want to sort by something and it's like, oh, I know... This person works at St. Jude, like, what is their name? And maybe it's in here. It's pretty sweet. And as far as I can tell, unique to Busy Contacts.
0: No, I agree. And I could see you just knowing your your personality, I feel like that view would like push a lot of buttons for you, right? It's yeah. like, ah, oh, perfect. And and there is a look to the busy cow slash busy contacts apps. You know, it's got like a, a UI look. It just like, the Flexibits has a look to their apps and I don't see think that's a big piece of this like it's hard enough getting through life if you have a contacts or a calendar app that bring you some delight when you work in them you should definitely use that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and again if you're in if you're already paying for setup you've already you already own this app just download it and start using it. If not, they've got a trial and you can give it a shot and see what you think. But, but I I do think there is like a, a, um, there's a piece of this that isn't easy to really quantify and every person is going to be different. Like, Oh, I really like the way, you know, card hop has this look or does this one thing. Like for me, it's group management card hop is something that really draws me in. But you say, but I really like the listing in Busy Contacts. You know, find the features that really like connect with you, and just use the one that works for you. The good news is, all of these use the same contact database. Well, one of the smartest things Apple did, in my opinion, about all this stuff is they made a third-party app addressable database system. Like, wouldn't it be terrible if you had to, if you wanted to use Busy Contacts, you had to like export your contacts out of Yeah, you know, Apple contacts and then import them there. But then if you wanted to go back, then you'd have to figure out what changed. And it just, all that madness is removed because the the foundational building block of contacts and calendars are these basically publicly addressable databases. When I say publicly, I mean on your machine, not on the internet. But it's a database that other apps can source, they can modify. And if you want to go back to the Apple defaults, you don't lose anything. In fact, you can run them both at the same time with no problem.
1: Yeah. Another feature in busy contacts kind of builds on my idea of how I use the notes field. They call it the activity list. It means that if you use busy cal, you can basically link contacts with calendar events. So if I say lunch with David Sparks and I tag it the right way, then in your contact record, all of our previous lunches would show up there. Uh, it can also interface with Apple Mail. It requires a plug-in, but you can see your mail history. And rather humorously here in 2023, it also has uh, Twitter integration, so you can see people's recent tweets if your contact card includes their handle. I would assume that's going to break with the API changes that Twitter's making. Yeah,
0: but I'm surprised it's working now. I was I mean, shocked
1: um, that it worked this week when I, when I just tried it. But
0: Maybe uh, the team over at Twitter hasn't figured out that they're still hitting it. You
1: know? yeah, yeah, maybe. Who knows, but it's a way to automate some of that. Some of those things I was talking about earlier that I do manually. Now it does, you know, kind of require buy into the busy app ecosystem a little bit, but busy is a great application and most people will just use mail. app. And so it gives you a view into those other things. And it's a, it's a pretty nice feature in my opinion.
0: I mean, it really doesn't require that much buy-in either because once again the database is accessible by the other apps equally so you can try it out for a month or two and if you decide to go back you there's no you know harm no foul like i i use busycal in addition to Fantastic Cal because i like a Fantastic Cal only renders one app window like if i want to have and that's the one i work in all day but sometimes i just want to have a full screen on my big monitor Steven, I'm not if you're aware of this, but the monitor I have is a little bigger than yours. <laughs> so, um, but but I can put like a year view on this gorgeous monitor, yeah, and it looks great and give it its own screen. But uh, Fantastic Al doesn't let me open two iterations of the app. I think it's, there's something going on where that's really hard. And uh, so I actually run Busy Cal just with the the full year view, and I keep that in a separate space. And I can just slide over to it if I want to see when I'm doing planning and stuff. But, but either way, I, I don't really use it as an operational calendar so much as just like that, that secondary view. But it doesn't matter because these, all these apps are hitting the same database. So you're good.
1: Another nice feature of Busy Contacts, it's also an Apple's Contacts app, is the ability to link and merge cards. So say that I have uh, David Sparks, my coworker in the Relay FM Exchange server, which we don't have, but say that we did. But then I also have you yeah. in my personal iCloud, right? BusyConducts gives you the option to view those together. It gives you the option to merge them into one card or to make sure that they have uh, the same information on both. I think that's a situation a lot of people run into, right? Especially if you're in a really big organization. You have like tons of people and the work server, but some of those people are also friends or you have their, you know, maybe you have their work phone number on the work contact card, but you also have their personal cell phone number and that's in your iCloud or whatever. Uh, It gives you a way to view all of that in one place. And, you know, that's not, uh, I don't think that was an issue back, you know, 20 years ago when Apple first launched address book, but it's definitely something people deal with now.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. I wonder how many people actually use these third-party contacts apps, though, now that we've kind of gone through them. Uh, I think people are much more likely to use a third-party calendar app than a contacts app because it's just I think calendars are more important to a lot of people. Um, And, you know, we get back to this point. Apple's contacts app is clunky, but the notes field is there, and it's golden, and it works, you know. Uh, One other app that I think is worthy of mention, it's kind of a Unitasker contacts app. And there, there used to be a bunch more of these, but since Apple contacts has kind of folded in the feature to find duplicates and stuff, there used to be a bunch of apps that dealt with that, but now you don't really need those anymore. So just keep it with the Apple app, but there's one called importer for contacts. And I downloaded and tested this out leading up to today's show. And, you know, there's always somebody that has an Excel sheet with all their contacts in it. You know, yeah. It's just, it's a thing, right? I think I, a lot of businesses do it too. And if you decide, you know, I want to be able to use a grown up contacts app instead of this Excel sheet, this app does that. It just takes an Excel sheet and turns it into contacts and it does a really good job. It worked flawlessly for my tests. It's got a ton of positive reviews. Um, and you know, if that's something that you're struggling with, there's an app for you.
1: It's very cool. Uh, this developer also has an app for exporting out of contacts. So if you need yeah. them in some other format, uh, like CSV numbers, uh, it can even deal with outlook files. So like on windows, outlook stores this data in, in like a weirdo CSV format and you can, uh, you can manage all of that with these apps. So this is, this is cool. Something you probably don't need every day. But if you do end up in a situation like this, it gives you some options.
0: Yeah, if you've got the problem, this solves the problem. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by NetSuite. Go to netsuite.com slash MPU for the leading integrated cloud business software suite and get a special one-of-a-kind financing offer, no interest, no payments for six months. Being a business owner or working closely with business owners means knowing your numbers. If your business earns millions or maybe tens of millions in revenue, stop what you're doing and take a listen because NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out the best offer. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make better decisions faster. And for the first time in NetSuite's 22 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. That's no payments and no interest for six months, and you can take advantage of the special financing offer today. NetSuite is number one because they give your business everything you need in real time, all in one place, to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity across every department. Having all the information you need in one place makes it so much easier to make decisions. I know as a business owner what a difference it can make and how much easier everything operates when information is available. It really means smart decisions can be made faster. And this NetSuite offer is extraordinary. So join the 33,000 companies who have already upgraded to NetSuite and gained visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know this deal is unprecedented no interest, no payments. Take advantage of this special financing offer at netsuite.com slash MPU. That's netsuite.com slash MPU to get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot slash MPU. Our thanks to NetSuite for their support of the Mac Power users and all of FM.
1: So let's talk a little bit about calendars we did just do an episode on fantastical not that long ago and i think in that episode we spoke a little bit about how we use calendars but i thought briefly we could recap that um you're a fantastical user you have lots of calendars we're going to dig into that <laughs> a little bit later but um what for you kind of pushes you over the edge away from calendar you mentioned some things earlier but what are some of the things that you think people should think of if they're looking at Apple's calendar app and say, you know what? Maybe, maybe I do need more.
0: Well, I mean, the feature set is bigger. Um, uh, you know, the, the big selling point for fantastic. we're going to keep the fantastic a bit short cause they got a whole show not yep. that long ago, but the, um, the natural language input is amazing. Um, the calendar sets where you can have, if, if you're someone like me who runs a lot of different calendars and you want the ability to slice and dice and group them together, That's a great feature. And increasingly for me, it's their, they have really turned into more of like a calendar service than just an app. Like I constantly use now the appointments features where you can send availability to people and say, pick one, and then you're on my calendar and they do it in a non-creepy way. You know, a lot of these services want access to your calendar in order to be like kind of the web. Integrator or the like, the place people go to book time with you, Mm -hmm. and and I don't want to do that. I don't want to give anybody access to my calendar. Maybe it's my lawyer days bleeding over, but I just don't want to give open access like that. They do it all locally, and they do it very reliably. And when I need to make an appointment with somebody, I hate that thing where you start emailing each other and say, "Well, I could do it on Tuesdays (laughs) or Thursdays." (laughs) Yeah, you you know. Instead, I find that if I say, "You know, here's a link." You click in an email; it gives you five different options that I've provided you. You pick one. Fantastic! I'll updates my calendar. And the other thing it does is it holds while it's pending. It gives me the it it puts those five uh, um, options in gray, saying "Don't double book over this." You might have a meeting then, but you don't know yet. And then once they pick one, all of them disappear except the one they picked. You know, it's just like just a bunch of little friction points. If you add them up to me, it's, it's worth the, I guess, $57 a year. I pay for it and I do pay for it. By the way, somebody complained to me like, well, you don't even pay for it. No, I, I pay for it. I, if I use a service, I pay for it. Uh, it, it's, um, it's just worth it to me. You know I mean? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> there's a lot of things I don't do, but I do pay $57 a year to fantastic. Cal will make my calendar easier.
1: Yeah. and, and, <laughs> I think we probably should talk about the price increase a little bit. We yeah. didn't get into it on the show. Uh, we had the founder of the company on and we just felt like we we're going to get the answer that was given publicly. And so we didn't push it. But as a recap, it's now, like you said, 57 bucks a year, four seventy-five 75 a month. And they also have a family plan. So if you share this with other people, it can be a little bit cheaper. But that was like a 40% increase uh, in our market here in US dollars and other places. It was higher. And it did understandably turn a lot of people off. And I, I totally get that. For you, it sounds like the features you get out of it are worth the money for you. Uh, some people, it crossed the line that it didn't anymore. Uh, but it is worth, worth mentioning that they did that. It is the first increase they've had since moving to the subscription model. And I give them credit for that. And everything is more expensive in 2023 than it was 18 months ago. But uh, it's, you know, it's a chunk of change.
0: Yeah. But it, it it is more than an alternative calendar app that has a uh, natural language input, which is what it started life as yeah. it's, it's become really in a lot of ways, a service. And if you're using things like trying to schedule appointments and like the features, you know, if I didn't use the power features, maybe I wouldn't pay for it. I don't know. But uh, my advice would be, I think they have a free trial, give it a try and see what you think. And everybody makes their own decisions. I, I would caution you though, don't get too upset if it's not for you or if it's you feel like it's not worth it, then you can vote with your feet. And and that's just the way it is. I mean, <laughs> I was just thinking about it today. Um, we're recording later than normal. My daughter came and I had to pick her up at the airport. And as it is, you know, when your your kids, you pick up your kids are like, Hey dad, can we, um, can we have lunch? And, you know, your, your growing child wants to have food with you. You're
1: not saying You always no. buy them lunch, right? Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want to hear about their life and stuff. I totally spent more money today on lunch with her than I did on a year of fantastic. Al- <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, th- there are things we spend money on without blinking, but you know, when apps get, you know, above the 20 or $30 range, there's like a, there's a little alarm bell that goes off, but in my case it's worth it. And that's all. I mean, if it stops being worth it, I won't pay for it anymore. Yeah. Um, but the uh, but don't get too emotional about it. It's okay if it's not for you. And um, and they de- they made a business decision, and so be it. You know but the mm-hmm. um, there are other options, and I guess we should get off this topic because I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> but the um, Busy is a great app too, and we mentioned that in the last segment. But that's also part of Set You can buy it one time for fifty bucks. So a little bit less than one year of Fantastic Cal, you can buy um, Busy Cal. Or if you've got a set app subscription, you've got it already. Um, and they've got a lot of great features in it.
1: They do. For me, I think about it the same way I think about the relationship between busy contacts and Apple's contacts. It's a, it's a superset of what Calendar does. A couple of my favorite features about it, and I, I used Busy Cal for years back my yeah, me too. my last me too. job. We had a lot of shared calendars. And like at the time, Apple Calendar kind of choked on that. It was like too much for it. So I switched to BusyCal for a long time. And like Busy Contacts, I think one of its most powerful features is the the ability to customize its layout. So you can really choose what types of data you want on the different views up to the point where, say, that you've got uh, an anniversary or spouse's birthday or something, you can use emoji or like some built in clip art to like highlight that day on your calendar. It's like, you really don't miss it, right? Like you see the balloon emoji, you know, it's your spouse's birthday. Uh, no one else has that sort of thing, and it, it brings some fun to it. The other thing that it does that um, Fantastic does as well, but some people really like the combination of contacts or of calendar and of tasks. I yeah. don't, but a lot of people do. And BusyCal, in addition to syncing with iCloud, Google Calendar, Office 365, CalDav, et cetera, et cetera also syncs with the Reminders database on your device. And so you can have your Apple Reminders just in BusyCal on the sidebar. You can also integrate them into the different calendar views, uh, even based on like due time, lots of options again. Uh, it's pretty sweet how, how far you can customize this application.
0: Yeah, and the Reminders integration with the calendar apps is, is awesome. Fantastic, Hal does do that as well. In fact, talking about subscriptions, when my renewal for OmniFocus was coming up, I thought about, do I still want this app? You know, and I looked at Reminders really hard. And one of the advantages would be that it could be integrated with my calendar. Now, ultimately, it was worth it for me to keep OmniFocus, but we don't need to go down that rabbit hole today. But the, these are nice features, and and I really feel like. You know, the difference is I, I suspect at Apple, there's not a huge team working on the calendars and the contacts app. You know, their job is to get it out and shipped and get it working for people, and it does all those things. Um, I'm sure that there are it's a minority of users that would complain that I have to use the mouse to edit a contact card. Yeah. But but for those of us that do, it's a it's a big deal. right? you know, we just want to be more efficient on our devices. And uh, companies like um, Flexibits and Busy, I don't know what the company's name is anymore. Busy Mac, Busy Mac is, um, you know, I think companies like this are, are looking for power users. The people that are listening to this show to say, no, we're going to give you something that has a bigger development team that tries to give you features that other people aren't willing to do. And um, like I forgot to mention earlier, the quarter view for me in fantastic Cal is awesome. And Nobody has bothered to implement it in any other in any other calendar company, mm-hmm. and I think that for me, that's another reason that they get my money every year. And you know, if Apple suddenly did what they're doing with some of their other apps and put a real team to work on Contacts and like started bridging the gap here and bringing some of these features to the free option, maybe I would switch to Contacts. I don't know, um, or or uh, Apple's uh, calendar app but they just it doesn't appear that that's high on their list.
1: Yeah. BusyCal also has some natural language processing. Apple's own calendar app does as well, but Yeah. uh Fantastical is still the best at it. Although BusyCal is is really come a long way when I was playing with it today. Uh it's pretty close to Fantastical and both just wipe the floor with Apple's implementation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're both great. I mean, honestly, if you um try either one of those apps, and you're serious about your calendar you're going to you're going to probably want it and then it's just a question of picking which one fits you better and yeah. I, I think if if the busy cal and fantastic cal people were here today they'd say the same thing you know use the one that you like i mean it's hard enough managing a calendar don't do it with one hand tied behind your back
1: yeah and and these apps both have trials and so you can get in there and spend some time with it and you know they are on the surface, kind of similar, right? In terms of just the the bullet list of features, but they treat those features differently and the layouts are different and uh, you may find what you need in, in, in one of them that really kind of sticks with you. This episode of MPU is made possible by Things from Cultured Code. It's an award-winning to-do app that is awesome if you're an Apple Shortcuts user. You're going to love the latest update to Things if you are. Because the team at Cultured Code has adopted the new App Intense framework and added nine new actions that greatly extend what's possible. In fact, you can now completely automate your workflow with things on the Mac, iPad, and iPhone. For example, you can create full blown projects with their headings and to dos, edit existing data, you can duplicate a template project with just a tap, grab links to your items, and of course, You can pull data into and out of Things with other apps. There are just so many creative ways to use shortcuts with Things. The examples here really only scratch the surface. So head on over to their website. It's thingsapp.com, and they have this cool gallery of shortcuts to show you what's possible. You can also download a free trial for macOS. Things, of course, is renowned for its fantastic design. It is the most beautiful task manager on the market but it's really powerful as well. And the team has added loads of other great features over the years that you should check out. So head on over to the website, thingsapp.com to learn all about the great features and to download a free trial for your Mac. Of course, you can also find it in the App Store. Just search for Things. Whatever you want to accomplish in life, Things can help you get there. Try Things at thingsapp.com. You won't regret it. Our thanks to Things and Cultured Code for supporting this episode of MPU.
0: So when we did the show about Fantastic How, I shared my, my secret about my many, many calendars. And uh, I got uh, a lot of feedback from the listeners about that. Most of them were saying that I need to get help. But uh, I just want to just restate it now just to be belligerent. I've been doing this like two years now. I am not changing i'm mm-hmm. going to be using all these calendars you know it's just so convenient for me to be able to group things together in ways I want very quickly so uh the the quick summary is i've got different calendars, some of them are what I call planning, and some of them are more activity based. but I can with just a few buttons quickly get at a full planning calendar for what i'm doing and then push another button and then I get at the actual work that I'm doing. Uh, People Mm -hmm. in the labs are probably tired of this. I've released some videos sharing some of my uh, shortcuts and things I do to make this all work together. But man, uh, I I was shocked at how many people thought it was nuts. I feel like this is actually the only way to do this stuff if you're managing a lot of different projects.
1: Yeah, I I get it. You know, I definitely have multiple calendars, uh, not to the extent that you do. And of course, you're using an app that has calendar sets, right? So you can turn sets on and off, right? If you're in labs mode, you can turn all those on and hide everything else. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. You you also work more closely with the team than I do. It's yeah. like Mike and I don't share a calendar. Like if we have something we need each other to do, we just send each other an invite. Same reason we don't have share ta- a share task list between us, right? We just don't like being in, in each other's data sets. Yeah. But I get it. Uh but yeah, no, I and I get what you're doing too and I think where most people end up with this is in the family, right? And I spoke about this, I think, on the Fantastical episode, but we've got several family calendars, right? I have a personal and a work one that's in iCloud. And then we have a family calendar. We have one for each kid. Now that our kids are kind of, because our daughter got her first iPhone recently, it's a whole thing in my house. She can can see a bunch of these calendars, right? So now we have like a, a one that's parents only, like stuff that they don't need to see on the family calendar, right? Like they don't need to see, you know, if we have a call with our accountant or something, I right, put it on there. Uh, but that's where most people end up with it. And even though I don't use as many as you do, I'm a I'm a big believer in this because it can help you, for me, helps me v- visually very quickly sort of parse a day or a week, right? So my work calendar is red. My personal one is blue. And if I see a day that has a bunch of red on it, you know, it maybe doesn't even matter what they are, but I know, okay, that day's going to be, heavy work there right? There's something back to back to back these, these days. And I can very quickly glean that information and then, you know, make decisions on it. And I can turn off the calendars I don't need to see, right? So we have some, some other calendars I have that I leave turned off almost all the time. Uh, if you're ever on the Relay website on the live page, that view of upcoming live shows is fed from a Google calendar in my uh, Relay FM, like G Suite account, I don't yeah. ever need to see that calendar. Like, I don't, I know when my shows are. I don't really care when other shows are streaming live, but sometimes I need to make an adjustment for somebody. So I leave it off all the time. You've just taken that to a, a much bigger level.
0: Yeah. I mean, getting back to where you're saying, I, I have people I work with. I mean, basically, I share a lot of them with the people that help me, and it's more for their information than anything else. Um, I have uh, liana helps me a lot of times with the post-production on the labs videos and jf helps me with the post-production on the the field guide stuff so they need to kind of see when I think something should ship so they can you know plan their work accordingly and this is a a really easy way to do it. and we looked at different options of like putting the dates the target dates in the related craft notes and things but Then if something changes and I've got to go find the note and I've got to change it and whether or not they see it, Uh, this system I find so much easier. I just move them around on the date and the combination of that quarter view and fantastic plus the planning calendars actually allows me to do that very fast. And whenever those things are in sync, that's when I'm at my best. And when they're like out of sync where they're not updated, that means I, that's a warning sign for me that I need to slow down and kind of get things together again and just to to restate the planning calendar idea, because what I was surprised at when we talked about last show, nobody I didn't hear from a single listener It was like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm gonna start doing it. But I find <laughs> it so I find it so transformative. I feel like maybe I didn't communicate it well because I think this could be really helpful no matter what you do to pay for your shoes. And and the idea is for each substantive calendar, and I'm gonna use, you know, nerdy home content creator examples but you could use this as a lawyer or a salesperson or whatever like but let's say for example the max Sparky labs i have a planning calendar and on that i list the published dates everything on the planning calendar is a full day event and that's all the major things i'm doing as part of the labs you know the next meetup the next deep dive the the publication date for this video i'm working and all that stuff shows up on that calendar As all day events, because it's a separate calendar from the calendar where I write down the actual event itself, you know, that the deep dive is going to be from 8am to 10am, or whatever, that's not on the planning calendar, that's on this, the labs calendar, but the labs planning calendar just has all day events for each one of those things. And then I can always go to that view in monthly or quarterly views where I usually see it and say, show me the planning for the Mac Sparky stuff. And I can see at a glance, all the big items coming at me in the next two or three weeks. And if I need to make adjustments, I can do that. Uh, Another example is I have a shortcut I run when we schedule an episode of Mac power users. So there will be the calendar event where you and I record it. There may be an event where I plan or work on the outline but there's also a planning event, which is an all-day event for recording that show. And I see that on that planning calendar. And so this gives me the ability to strip all the noise out of my calendar and just see what are the big things heading my way. And I just find it so useful. And I just kind of stumbled into it because I couldn't talk the Fantastic Al guys into adding a feature, you know? Because I wanted them to say, well, m- allow me to duplicate an event as an all day event so i can see it and they thought it was nuts they're probably right but actually making it a separate planning calendar allows me to to filter it so it's actually better the way i'm doing it than is if they had added a feature um but i find that just really useful and now i've been doing it over a year and this is you know it started out as an experiment but now it's just the way of doing business does that make sense to you, Stephen? Am I am I explaining it okay?
1: Yeah, I think you are. I think it's an example of people finding things that work for them. Like one feature my wife loves in Calendar is the when to leave, when to leave alert. Yeah, yeah. right. So like, there's an address yeah. in the event. It's like, hey, you need to leave in 15 minutes. I despise that alert. I don't know what about what it is about that alert that like drives me up the wall. But I was like, I set basically everything as a 15 minute warning on my calendar, if anything. And I, I don't know. It's like people are different and, and want different things.
0: Yeah. I, I actually think they should double down on that and they should make it time to drive to something, but also time to drive back. I yeah. mean, that should Put it on be on the back an side option. of it. Well, both. You know, if if you've got to go somewhere that's 60 miles away, you know, you should have the option to say, well, give me an hour and a half to get there and an hour and a half to get back. So you don't double book yourself. You don't put, you know, an event in when you're actually on the road coming back. I don't know. My thoughts on calendars are probably too, I don't know, nerdy. I don't know. What's the word? But the, uh, and I think that's maybe why my idea about these playing calendars didn't really land for anybody. But man, it really helps me. I don't know what else to say. No,
1: I, I, I totally get it.
0: Either way, there's contacts and calendars with a nice 2023 coat of paint on it. Uh, let us know what apps you're using, what services you're using, and and cool ways you're using your contacts and calendars in the forum over at talk.macpowerusers.com. We'd love to hear. We're getting ready to do a feedback show pretty soon. If you get it up soon, you may end up on the show. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors today, Text Expander, 1Password, Suite, and things from Cultured Code, and we will see you next time.